Hey church, it is such a privilege as it is to meet uh, together each week. And look, I know that this is different. It's different for you. It's certainly different for me as your senior pastor, you know, staring into a camera in an empty auditorium uh, rather than staring into your beautiful faces in presence here. Um, yeah, it, it's different. Um, but I'm excited that we get to gather like this in a moment like this, in a season that we're in and be able to fill that community together by the beauty of the Holy Spirit. And that's really my prayer for us, is that we continue to fill the Holy Spirit together as I open the Holy Spirit's word to us today. And I'm so grateful for Pastor John, who was with us last week, um, who brought such a profound message to us around the history of the vine. And really, that's so much uh, uh, what we have to celebrate in times like this. What is it that God has done amongst us? And how has God worked and moved amongst us in seasons in the past? And like John said last week, his, uh, his kind of promises and the way that he's worked with us, his faith to us in the past is that deposit for our future. And so uh, I'm super grateful for what John brought to us. And I hope that that was inspiring for you to know that this church is with this history of the work of the Holy Spirit. And John mentioned last week uh, something that we're all looking forward to, and that is March 27th, just in a few Sundays' time. We're having Vision Sunday. You know what we do this every year at the Vine. And, and I am so excited this year. And here's why I'm excited. We're going to make an announcement on March 27th that is literally going to change the future of the Vine, the future of our church. We're making a major announcement about who we are and what we're going to be in the future on March 27th. And I can't wait to share that announcement with you. Uh, we've been praying about this. We've been working behind the scenes on this uh, for what seems like a long period of time. Uh, and we get to release that to you on March 27th and tell you a little bit more about who we are as a church and what we're going to be like as we move forward into Hong Kong in this time. And um, we're going to be starting Starting next week, actually, a new sermon series that runs us into, into Vision Sunday and beyond. And it's going to be called The Unfinished Story. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And we're going to be taking, actually, 11 weeks in the book of Acts to unpack a little bit about what discipleship and evangelism is all about in this season. Uh, and um, that's going to be starting from next Sunday, running for 11 weeks. And that's going to carry a lot of the themes that we're feeling in our heart and our spirit for the vine in 2022. Uh, it's going to help to lay up that announcement on the 27th of March. And it's going to carry us into uh, the rest of the first half of this year as we talk about what it is for us to take the gospel and really transform a society just like how uh, those first disciples did in the first church uh, in the Greco-Roman Empire. And we get to see that story in Acts and remind ourselves that it's an unfinished story, that there's still ways that we can now connect into that narrative here in Hong Kong in this hour. So that's next Sunday. I'm excited about that. But right now, we thought we're not going to start that act series today. I, I just thought with everything that's been going on in the last couple of weeks, I needed to bring a one-off message to you um, today that I believe the Holy Spirit's going to use to help to really get you prepared for the rest of what this year is going to be. And if you're anything like me, uh, all of the announcements over the last uh, two 
few weeks, some of the confusion about those announcements, the fact that it feels like we're operating a little bit on rumor here in Hong Kong, perhaps, uh, more than fact at times, uh, all of the stresses that we're all carrying, I'm carrying it, you're carrying it, we're in this moment together. Uh, I felt, Lord, we need a word today. Uh, that enables us uh, just to pivot uh, from what it is uh, that we've experienced in the last couple of weeks. And so wherever you are right now, whatever it is that's going on, uh, my belief and my prayer is that this word's going to be an encouragement to you. And I want to jump straight in. Uh, I'm going to read from Matthew uh, chapter 10, first 15 verses. Let me read this to us. He called his 12 disciples to him, this is Jesus, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brothers, Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collectors, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, um, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who was to betray him. These 12 Jesus sent out with these following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, for freely you have received, so now freely give. Do not take anything along uh, for the walk, neither gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth their keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the house is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone, notice this, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, when you leave that home or town, shake the dust off of your feet. I tell you the truth, it'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Father, as we unpack this passage this morning, I want to pray right now uh, that this will begin to reverberate in hearts for each person. I pray, Lord, for the freedom that I believe you want to bring in this word. And I pray that you would help us all shake the dust. I thank you for that. In your name, everyone says, amen. When I was a teenager, I had really bad acne. Now, when I say really bad acne, I'm not just talking about a couple of persistent spots here and there. I'm talking about the regular uh, kind of reality for me that my face was largely covered in spots all over my face. And I felt like I was in this tension all the time between a battle of old spots that I thought were receding and new spots that I knew were coming. And uh, trust me, I tried every product that was available and known to man to try to fight back what was happening on my face. When you're a teenager, you know that image, identity, how you look is so important to you. And here I was filled, covered uh, with acne. I, I, I brought creams. I brought special face washes. I even had these weird baths that were supposed to kind of do these fumes that were supposed to cleanse your pores. Man, I tried everything. And after a while, I came convinced that the whole acne 
any product industry was crooked. That actually the creams gave you more acne than took it away. I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? You know, you, you get acne, you put these creams on, you get more acne, you've got to put more cream on, you get more acne, you've got to put more cream on, and they make loads of money. I was convinced that there was a whole scam going on in the acne product industry. But more than just the physical changes that were happening to me and the hardship of that was the emotional impact that that all had on me. Again, you can imagine when you're, you're conscious about how you look, how I felt walking into school every day covered in all of these spots. So sure, there were other kids in school that had acne as well, but I, I knew my acne was worse than most. And I think the predominant feeling I had in school in that time was one of wanting to hide. I was ashamed about how I looked. I felt like I was dirty, like I was greasy, like, like that was the image I was giving off to all of my classmates and the people that I hung out in, in school, and I was embarrassed about that. Uh, I felt shame. I, I wanted to cover myself as much as possible, but you can't really cover your face. This was long before the covering of masks, right? And so every day was a bit of a, a living hell trying to embrace what was happening here with what was happening in my emotions because of what was around me. On one particular day, uh, this became very acute. I remember it really well. It was a recess, uh, and I was up uh, just kind of having my lunch with a few friends. And there was a, a group of students from our year uh, over in the corner of the cafeteria, and they were gathered in a circle, and they were laughing. They were reading something. I could tell from where I was sat that they were reading a sheet of paper, and as they were reading it, they were laughing. And, and I was drawn to what was happening. And so I got up, and I, I went over, and I kind of peered over their shoulders. And sure enough, there's this piece of paper with this writing on it. And I and I said, what, what are you guys looking at? What are you guys laughing at? And, and one of them goes, oh, this is fun. Uh, somebody's uh, written this for our year. Hey, check it out. And he gave it to me, and it was a piece of paper. On the top of the piece of paper, it said this. It said, nicknames for the losers. And then there was a list of names. My name was fourth on the list. And next to my name were two words, pizza face. That was the nickname that some of my peers had decided was my nickname. And those two words, pizza face, cut super deep. I wonder if you've ever had a moment in your life where somebody has said something to you, maybe a name over you or, or said something about you that made you feel naked, it made you feel ashamed. It made you feel vulnerable and deeply hurt in that moment. It's hard for me to describe to you what those two words did. I mean, they're just silly words that some stupid kids decided to call me, pizza face. On the surface, when I look back on it, I think, well, it's not really that big of a deal. But in that moment, those words cut deep. And what those words did to me was create something that I have been carrying around inside of me ever since. And that thing is called insecurity. Those words, that joke, that nickname made me feel even worse about myself than I had ever felt before up to that point. I felt like I was suddenly not somebody who was worthy of appreciation, that I was different to everybody else. I felt like I was the butt of everybody's jokes. I, I felt like there was less value and significance in me. And that went deep into my psychology at that time. And, and literally from that point onwards, I've struggled for all of my adult life in the area of insecurity. And insecurities are tough because insecurities tell you that you're not valuable, that you're not worth it, that 
right? You're not as good as other people. And throughout my journey as a pastor, I've connected with many of you. And I know that there are many of us that struggle with these deep kinds of insecurities in life. And all of us have ways of trying to overcome our insecurities. And I discovered in my 20s and in my 30s the ways in which I tried to overcome the fact that I felt terrible about myself. By then, of course, the acne had all cleared up. But those insecurities were still super deep. And, and I turned to things like ego. I turned to things like a false sense of bravado in my early 20s. And then in my mid to late 20s into my 30s, I turned to the drive of success. Because I, I, I felt like the best way to overcome the reality of being called names when I was a kid, the best way of overcoming these insecurities I felt was by proving to the world that I was better than everybody else. And so it drove me to achievement, drove me to success. And perhaps in the world's eyes, I had that kind of success. But that success came at a cost. That driving attitude I had actually left a lot of people hurt around me. It actually cost something both to myself and to the loved ones around me. That drive for success has, has meant that I haven't been as present with my family over the years as perhaps I should have been. That drive for success meant that I hurt my staff over the years and said and done things to, to make things work that perhaps have pulled people uh, in a way that, that has really hurt them in that process. I've recognized that anxiety has come in me because of this inherent drive to succeed because of the insecurities in me. And, and that anxiety has caused me to have medication a number of times in my adult life. All of this as a result of just two simple words. A few years ago, uh, I decided that I should go to counseling, not just uh, for that, but for a whole bunch of different things that were going on in my life. And because I really wanted to get to the bottom of what this insecurity stuff was all about. And I met with this great counselor over a two-year period, and we had these incredible conversations. My wife is a counselor, and, and so I know firsthand and closely the amazing probing questions, the innocent-sounding questions that counselors ask that actually so beautifully and profoundly open us up uh, to the places where we need healing the most. Um, and as my counselor asked me these kinds of open and inviting type of questions, I, I found myself in that place of realizing that the roots of my insecurities go all the way back to reading that piece of paper and those two simple words. And here's what I discovered. I discovered that those words had become a lens or maybe like an Instagram filter through which the whole rest of my life, my social interactions, my professional interactions had begun to be shaped and formed. The insecurities I had became the lens through which I began to expect or predict what was going to happen in my present and in my future. It became the way in which I began to see the world. And it had so tainted me that I had such negative thinking around my present and my future simply because of something that had been lodged in so long ago. And that thing had become like a co-partner with me, like a co-passenger with me in my life. And, and as I'm making all these discoveries with my counselor, I remember this one particular session as the counselor is helping me to understand that that word, pizza face, and that thing that was done, who had lodged this, this insecurity in me, that it had gone all back to that, and that I had carried that around with me for years and years and years, infecting everything I saw. My counselor, he leaned forward on the couch that he was sitting on, and he kind of looked me right in the eyes, and he said some new words over me. Words that were the starting point of my journey of healing. He said this. He said, Andrew, it's time to shake the dust. It's time to shake the dust. 
The passage that I just read to us at the start has become like a life verse for me and uh, really is a passage that I go to a lot as I continue to walk out my healing and restoration for the insecurities that I carry. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all carry with us, don't we, those pizza face kind of moments in our lives. Uh, perhaps for you, as you're watching this, you recognize some of that in your own past. Perhaps for some of us, it's just like for me, it was words spoken over you. I know here in Asia that so often words spoken by parents over their children can have a deep and lasting negative impact for many, many years. Perhaps somebody, whether it's your parents, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a friend, has said something over you that's dislodged something, unsettled something in you. That's become that lens through which much of your life is now being viewed. Or, or perhaps for some of you watching this, it was a failure in your past, something that went wrong, something that didn't work out, and that's left a taste in your mouth. It's left an expectation of how you think your future is going to be. Perhaps for some of us, it's been abuse. We've been hurt deeply by other people in our lives. We've been abused, and that abuse has carried with us, the trauma of that, the difficulty of that. And that has shaped everything now uh, in terms of our social interactions and our interactions with the people that we love the most. Whatever it might be for you, I think we can all resonate on the reality that our negative experiences in our past can have a profound impact in how we think about ourselves today and tomorrow. And as I open up this passage today, if you're resonating with this right now, I've got some good news for you. Because this passage has helped to bring so much freedom into my life. And, and I believe as we look at this today, together today, that the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring some true freedom for you and in your life. I truly believe it is actually time for us to really shake the dust. To understand what Jesus means by that phrase, we have to understand the context by which he gives it. Uh, as we read just a moment ago, Jesus is sending out his disciples for the first time to ministry on their own. Up to this point, the disciples had been with Jesus. They had seen Jesus' ministry. They had walked with him, seen him pray for the sick and the sick get well, seen him cast out demons, seen him turn water into wine, multiply food and feed thousands. They had witnessed Jesus do things and they had heard his preaching that the kingdom of God was here and present and now and could be known and that we could find liberation from the enslavery of our sin. They had witnessed all this and now Jesus pulls them together and he says, now it's your turn. Freely I've given to you, now freely go and give. I want you to go out into the villages and the towns of, of Israel and bring the message of the kingdom of God. In other words, preach the gospel. But what's beautiful in this passage is it's not just preach the gospel with words, but live the gospel out. Show the world the love of God. Show the power of the kingdom. Let, let me read you exactly what he says here. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, for freely you have received, freely you give. In other words, I want you to take the gospel, not just the message and the words, but the demonstration of the power of God, and I want you to walk it out in the villages of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine that the disciples were super excited about this. I mean, again, they've seen Jesus do all this stuff, and when Jesus did it, it happened. When Jesus prayed for the sick, they got well. When Jesus cast out demons, 
they got cast out. And they are thinking as they're entering that first village, man, it's our time. It's our time to pray for the sick and see them get well. It's our time to cast out those demons. It's our time to tell them that the kingdom of God is near and, and to see the followers come and the people repent. And they're believing that what has happened in Jesus and through Jesus is going to happen through them. And Jesus is aware that the reality for us humans is that life is not always a fairy tale. Jesus knows that although he's sending them out in the power of the gospel and in the power of the spirit that was upon him, he knows that they're about to face some difficulties. He knows that things are not always going to work out how they thought things would work out. Jesus, the Son of God, yes, the power that he had, his disciples operating in that same gospel, Jesus understood that there will be times when the sick would remain sick. And you know, there would be times where the demons wouldn't get cast out, when the people in the village wouldn't accept the message of the gospel, when the people in the villages would mock them, would chase them out, would tell them that they should get away, when the people would ridicule them, abuse them for the value of what it is to bring the gospel. Jesus could see the journey that was ahead for the disciples. And because of that, this is why he says these words. He says this in verse 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, when you leave that home or that town, shake the dust from your feet. Shake the dust. What does Jesus mean by this metaphor? Well, to understand that, we have to go back to some beautiful, rich, uh, kind of prophetic tradition from the Old Testament. Jesus is not the first person to use this phrase, shake the dust. It first appears, actually, from the mouth of Isaiah, particularly when Isaiah is prophesying to Israel in the moment of their captivity in Babylon, in, if you will, the worst moment of Israel's history. They had been in Jerusalem. They had seen the invasion of the Babylonian Empire. Many of their people had been killed. They had seen the temple destroyed and they had been taken in captivity and left for a generation in Babylon. They were living in a foreign land. They weren't sure if they would ever be released. This was the time where they were in a theological crisis. Has God given up on us? Is everything over? And their negative experience for years and years and years was beginning to shape their expectation on who God is. And right in the middle of that, God has not given up on them. God has great plans for them. God, in fact, is about to move upon the leaders of Babylon to begin to release the Israelites back to their hometown. But they're not aware of that yet until Isaiah begins to prophesy. And I want to read you this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 52, just the first uh, two verses. Uh, let me read this to us. It says this, Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on garments of splendor. O Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit, the Holy City. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Here's God through Isaiah bringing a prophetic word to the people. And he's saying it's time to wake up. It's time to, to, to move out of your slumber. I'm about to restore you. I'm about to change everything. And your negative experience of your past is not going to define my future for you. Your past is not going to be the primary thing that's going to tell you what the future looks like. And, and he says, here's what's happened. 
Your negative experiences, he, he, he defines them here as chains on your neck. He said, you've got these chains that are hanging on your neck, and those chains are holding you rooted. And so he says this. He says, shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit in throne, Jerusalem. Don't allow the, the weight of your past experience to, to be like those chains around your neck. I, I love this imagery of those chains because they picture for us that Israel was locked in place. That the, the, the negative of things that they had experienced in their past were like these heavy chains around them, locking them in their place so they could not move forward. Think about this. This is what dust is. Dust does not settle on things that are moving forward. Dust, by its very definition, settles on the things that are immobile. Settles on the things that are stagnant. And the reason for Israel is that their experience, their negativity, and their negativity about what God could do had become this kind of chain around them that was rooting them in their place, making them immobile when God was about to move them back to Jerusalem. And so to start that process, he goes, you've allowed dust to settle on you. And that dust has settled on you because you've got these chains around your neck. Shake off the dust. Rise up. Begin to wipe it off you. Because I've got something more for you, something new for you. You're a captive right now, but you will not be a captive forever. Shake the dust off. Jesus takes this imagery and he applies it to his disciples. And he says, you're about to go into these villages preaching the gospel. You're about to go into these villages and I'm, I'm telling you, heal the sick, cast out the demons, but guess what? It's not all going to go rosy for you. There's going to be some hard times. People are going to ridicule you. They're going to mock you. But here's the thing. There's another village that you will go to after that one that has abused you and mocked you. There's another one just down the road. And I don't want you to carry your negative experience from that village to the next one. When you go to that next village, I want you to go free. I want you to go in faith. I want you to go knowing that the gospel has the power to save. Even though it felt like the gospel didn't work there, it does not mean it's not going to work ahead of you. You must leave behind the negative experience because you cannot have that negative experience defining for you what your future expectation of my gospel is all about. So if they mock you, shake the dust. If they abuse you, shake the dust. If they ridicule you, shake the dust. If things don't happen for you, shake the dust. Do it now in the power of my name because I do not want you to be conditioned by the failure, conditioned by the negativity for the thing that God has for you ahead. And so he says to them, shake the dust. One of the reasons why we're able to shake the dust is because inside of this is the idea and the power of God's justice, the character of God in justice. I want to show you back in Matthew what Jesus says as he tells them to shake the dust. He says this really critical piece. He goes like this in verse 15. I tell you the truth. It'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than that of this town. Now, why is this important? Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament was a town that was so wicked in sin, so broken in sin that God brings a judgment against them. 
And Jesus brings that example to the disciples and he says, don't worry when you leave one town and go to the next. Don't worry. Trust me that I will bring justice on the back of what has happened to you in that town. Jesus understands something super critical. He's not saying shake the dust in the sense of like, ah, whatever. Just forget about your bad experiences. Just shake the dust. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. Just move on. Jesus understands that when somebody abuses us, when someone's done wrong to us, when words are spoken that have hurt us, that there needs to be some sense of justice, that there needs to be some righting of the wrong. There needs to be some way for that to happen because a lot of times our healing comes as we understand justice has happened. Our healing comes when we know that actually how we've been wronged has actually been put right. An important part of shaking the dust us being able to do that is trusting and knowing that there is a justice in it, that there is some judgment that will come, that there is some, some um, kind of uh, just putting right to the wrong that has happened to us. But the problem is we humans are so good at taking on that judgment ourselves. We're so good at being the ones who want to do the revenge ourselves. And the problem is hurting people hurt people. The problem is, is that if we take on the ability to try to heal ourselves, restore ourselves, or if we even take on the ability to try to get that revenge, to try to make sure that person who hurt us, that they get hurt in response, if we take judgment on ourselves, we will judge through sin. The only thing that can judge is judging through holiness. And so here's what God says. When he says to them, shake the dust, what he's actually saying to them is, trust me with the justice. Trust me to bring justice. I, I will look at that town and I will see what was done, that wrong that was brought, the ridicule that happened, those words that were spoken. And don't worry, there will be a justice, a judgment for that. But that judgment is not yours. That judgment is mine. So when I say shake the dust, I'm saying, trust me to bring the justice. Trust me to fight on your behalf. But I want you to go and do what I've commanded you to do. And that is not get revenge. Go and bring the gospel to the next village and Trust me that I will do what only I have been given the authority and power to do. It is mine to judge, not yours. Shake the dust. Our shaking of the dust is our ability to be able to let go because we know that ultimately God brings justice. Ultimately, God is the one who judges, not us. I know that this word is a word in season for many watching this right now. You've been hard done by some of you. Uh, you, you. People have said things, done things, hurt you. Some of us have done and said and hurt others. We've been the, the, the kind of people that have done the bad to others. Others of us have received abuse and that hurt and that pain. And man, we have carried that around for far too long. And I want you to know that God meets you in that place. God comes and brings the whisper of his judgment, the whisper of his justice for you and says, don't worry, I'm going to fight that battle for you. I know where you're at. I will bring your healing. I will bring your restoration. I will come and help you again. I, I've been speaking a lot in the last couple of weeks about the invitation that we have from God uh, to be this new wine, that he's pouring out new wine on us in a time of, of new wineskin. And we need to be these new wineskins for him in this season. I've been sharing that over the last couple of weeks. But I want you to hear this. One of the main things that keeps us locked in the old wineskin is our inability to let go of the negative experiences in our past. 
we need to be able to shift and twist and be able to realize that it is in God's power of his Holy Spirit that we are able to rise up just like Israel did despite the situation that they were in and shake the dust. So that that doesn't become the way in which we predict everything's going to go in our future. That we are through repentance, through forgiveness, through bringing our hurt to God, through praying for him, we can find that release. You know, I, I, I feel this so strongly for us as a church. We are not to allow the past to define our promise and our future. We're not to allow or we're not to bring that past into the promise that God has given us. And we have to have some way of letting go. And the great story of the Christian faith and the great power of this passage is that we do have somewhere to go. We can bring it to him. We can say, God, those words. God, that situation. God, this. Lord, I trust you with the justice. I trust you with the judgment of that. And I come and just need your healing. I just need your restoration. I need like my counselor said to me, to shake the dust, to allow myself to be free again. This has always been God's character for his people. It's always been to shake the dust. I remember that moment where Moses in a worse place, Moses in that place where his identity was crushed, Moses in that place where he had murdered an Egyptian and fled and had given up his identity, was living a false life, one who was ashamed of what he has done. God meets him in a burning bush. And the first thing he says to them is, Remove your sandals. Don't bring that past into this holy present moment with me. I love that moment where, where God is, is helping Israel to flee from their slavery in Egypt and he parts the waters of the Red Sea. And as they pass through, the scriptures say something that we kind of pass over. It says they passed through on dry land. Well, well, dry land is partly because the waters have receded, so therefore there's no water on that land. But the dry land is also significant of something else. What it means is that the land, the ground by, that, uh, by the, the shore there was not muddy. So in other words, they were not going to bring the mud of Egypt with them into the new land of the promised land. It was dry land so that the mud before would be left behind and they would step onto the new land with clean feet. And there's that moment, isn't there, with Jesus and that last meal that he shared with his disciples in the upper room. And he knows all that's ahead for them. He knows that they're going to take the gospel in his resurrection and through the power of the Holy Spirit into the Greek Roman Empire. And he knows they're going to be persecuted. He knows it's going to be difficult. Just like when he sent them out uh, in the passage we're looking at today, he's about to send them out after his resurrection into the empire. And they're going to face challenges and persecution like they'd never faced before. So what does he do? gets on his knees, takes a bowl of water with a towel. He removes the sandals and he cleans the dust and the dirt of Galilee off their feet. Basically saying, you're no longer just random people from Galilee. You are now going to be the leaders of my church. And there is a future now for you. He washes their feet so that they would be free. In other words, Jesus shakes the dust off of them so that nothing that they were going to experience would hold them back from the future they had. And man, they were persecuted. Man, they were killed. There was so much that would happen to them, but there was so much boldness, so much power, so much confidence in who they were because they had been released by God. The dust had been shaken and the new wine had been poured out. 
See, God has always done this for his people. God has always released his people from the negative experiences of their past so that they can walk confidently into the positive experiences of their future. And I believe that that's what God is doing right here for the church in Hong Kong in this moment and this hour. There's a lot of stuff ahead of us. There's a lot of work for the kingdom in Hong Kong that needs to be done. But if you're anything like me, man, I'm carrying some chains around my neck. I feel a little bit weighed down. I feel worn out. And man, there has been a lot of stuff that has been happening in our city in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, the last couple of years, and it's worn down on all of us. And the reality is, as those chains are upon us, dust is able to settle on us. And as Isaiah said to Israel in their moment of need, so I sense the Holy Spirit saying to us in this moment of our need, awake, Awake, my church, rise up, shake off the dust, for what is ahead of you is even greater than what has been behind you. For those of you right now who are in a place where this is a word for you, I want to now move into a place of prayer. I want to move into a place of ministry for you that you would be able to shake the dust, trusting that God is the one who brings judgment and justice. Some of you have been hurt deeply and those hurts need that justice. They need that sense of a wrong being put right. Would you release that to God today? God is the only one that can bring that justice for you. Some of us, like me, have had names set over us that have created deep insecurities in us, that have hurt us and held us back. Would we be willing to turn to him today and say, Lord, this is the honest truth of my heart. I'm still impacted by those words. I'm still struggling in this. God, I shake the dust. I give it to you, and I ask for your healing, your restoration, your power, so I can walk into my future confidently, just like the disciples walked into the Greco-Roman Empire, confident. So would we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today? And there are so many people in our community right now where I want to say the words, shake the dust over you, where I want to encourage you to rise up with that new wine for the new wineskin that's upon you. So for the domestic workers in our community, many who are working 14-hour days, often in hostile environments, shake the dust. For asylum seekers and refugees who have been waiting years and years for a, another country to welcome them in and to call their place home, shake the dust. For those of you who have family members overseas and haven't been able to travel for two years, three years, four years to be able to see your family, shake the dust. For those of us who are parents and are worried about our children here in Hong Kong in this time, in this hour, who are uncertain of what the testing is going to mean and whether we'll be separated from our kids that are carrying anxieties and fears in that space, shake the dust. For those of us who've had words spoken over us, for those of us who, had, who have failures in our past, for those of us who have done things that are wrong, for those of us who have been abused, for those of us who have abused others, for those of us who have cheated on, and for those of us who have been cheated on, shake the dust. For those of us who, who are struggling with our identity, struggling with our self-worth, for those of us that are carrying insecurities, for those of us who, who feel like we can't be the person that God tells us we can be, for those of us who are trapped in addiction, for those of us who are overwhelmed in our marriages, shake the dust. 
And we shake the dust because we genuinely believe that our future should be shaped by God's justice and not our pain. We shake the dust because we genuinely believe that the power of the gospel does what the scriptures say it does, even when we haven't always experienced it in our own lives. We shake the dust because we believe that in doing so, we are able to release from ourselves the things that stop us from being able to dream again and stop us from celebrating the dreams that others have. We shake the dust because we don't want to be people who bring revenge. We don't want to be people who carry hate in our hearts. We don't want to be people that have negative emotions, the hurting people that hurt people. We shake the dust because we want to be free from all of that. Don't allow the past to be the thing that would define your future. Let go. Release. Receive the new wine and be a new wineskin for what the Holy Spirit has for you. It is time for us to shake the dust. Let me pray over each one of us. Father, we come now as a church, Lord, and I believe for the people watching this in their homes right now, those that are, are struggling, those that feel like Israel did, weighed down and rooted in place, those that could say, man, I know the dust has settled on me, those of us that have been hurt deeply, who carry insecurity, who are still traumatized by abuse, those of us that are overwhelmed with various emotions of anger and hate, those of us that are fearful for our futures. Father, we come to you now in this moment. And Lord, we don't come to you with the power of positive thinking. We don't come to you just going, ah, I'll just forget about those things and all. Ignorance is bliss kind of attitude. No, Lord, we come to you shaking the dust. We come to you recognizing what those things have done in us and the pain that it's caused us. We come to you knowing that you are faithful, that you are good. We come to you knowing that in our bringing of this to you, you remove it from us. We come to you trusting that you'll bring justice in your time and in your way. We come to you releasing our need for revenge. We come to you releasing that hurt that we carry. Lord, I pray that as we practice shaking the dust, that takes courage, Lord. Sometimes it's easier just to sit still. Sometimes it's easier to stay stagnant and immobile. Sometimes that's all we feel. We feel like our, our feet are like concrete. Lord, you spoke over Israel in that moment for them, and you said, awake, awake, come out of your slumber, shake off your dust, rise up, be free from the things that weigh you down. Lord, I pray that as a word in season over people watching this right now. I pray in Jesus' name that you will be free from the things that are weighing you down right now. And we know that the future is not going to be easy. Jesus knew that for the disciples, and he knows that for us too. It's not like he's going to click his fingers and suddenly it's going to be a fairy tale land for us. The journey ahead is going to be challenging. But Lord, we want to enter into that journey light and free. We want to enter into that journey with the expectation of the gospel, not based on what we've experienced, but based on the word of God. Lord, we want to enter into our futures fresh again. So we shake the dust, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for this. I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to minister to us now. Make us that new wine. 
bring us, Lord, into that new wineskin. Lord, would you help us to overflow with the goodness of your kingdom, even in the moment that we're in right now. Would your wine flow? And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everyone says.